I'm Catherine Welch, and I'm a pediatrician. I've been living in Asia for 11 years, and right now I'm based in Chiang Mai, Thailand, where I, I'm based there, and I work as a consultant to counter-trafficking organizations, coming alongside with them to help them develop a more robust health component to their interventions, such as outreach, prevention, aftercare, uh, developing minimum standards, coalition building, um, doing some uh, immediate actual clinical care of people, but also really trying to help develop organizations who want to get into prevention, which I'll, I'll be talking more about prevention and, and really where it, where it intersects like this, because it's just... You know, I want to I get beyond a little bit of the emotion that you're hearing in the media today and uh, really get you a little more grounded into what the situation is and what you guys can really do about it. Um, so there's some learning, learning objectives where I'm just going to give you a brute. I only have 30 minutes, and I, and I know there's going to be lots of great questions, so I want to leave plenty of time for that. Uh, just a brief definition of what, what is human trafficking, um, because let's just start there. Because actually, there is, a, there is a definition by the United Nations, and it involves three key features. It's movement or confinement of an individual. But an individual can be trafficked and not ever leave his or her hometown. And it's a, it involves a removing a personal agency. They don't have control over their own life with coercion or exploitation, and the third one is for the financial profit or other gain of another person, okay? And so some people may have consented to some kind of work and then end up being trafficked. Uh, smuggling is not trafficking. So, oh, smuggled trafficked people from Mexico, you know, smuggled people are trafficked in the, no, it's different. Although smuggled people may be trafficked, but it's, it's really not the same thing. And so there's other issues because there is a UN definition. And the United States and other Western countries pretty much go along with that definition. But there's a lot of other countries that define human trafficking differently according to their own purposes. For example, I have lived in China for six years, and their definition of trafficking is, is very vague. And uh, it works so they can, of course, most things in China are, are vague. And also, it, it's when you get to, when you get to um, trafficking, and then there's a whole spectrum of exploitation. And the degree to which people will allow themselves to be exploited is, is, is pretty amazing. And so I don't want you to stop like, oh, that doesn't fit the definition of trafficking, so we're not going to get involved. But, I'm, but to say on, the, on a global scale, we're talking about countries trying to cooperate with one another and identify trafficking and develop laws, and, and it, it becomes really messy. Um, so that there's, there's not one, UN, the UN has a standard, but that doesn't mean that countries have to define their trafficking laws according to the United Nations. It's merely a suggestion. And then you get to child trafficking. So the UN defines a child as anyone less than 18 years of old, years of age, and to, to be identified as a victim of child trafficking, you do not have to prove force, fraud, or coercion. Okay, that's different than when you're an adult. So if a child is being exploited for another's financial profit or gain, then that is child trafficking. But what's the definition of a child? 
So, different countries, 14, 16, when are they emancipated, when are they legal, able to work, when are they able to move, you know, when, what do you say, you know, what is the definition. And so, when you talk about, when you say, oh yeah, child trafficking, but different, when you talk about what can we do in changing the laws and things, when you, when you have countries trying to work within their own country, and a lot of countries' laws for child protection are actually quite weak, and so there aren't, any child protection laws in order to come back and say, oh, this is wrong, okay? And so then you also have children who are migrants, okay? And so then, well, does that make them trafficked? Or are they migrants? Are they being exploited? Or are they actually trafficked? And so for, for someone like you and I, okay, if someone is being exploited, they need our help, I'm going to help. But when you're hearing in the news about, you know, oh my gosh, this, all the legal loopholes and stuff, just to give you an idea of some of the problems that exist out there. And also, you know, there's child labor, okay? But a child who lives at home and is going to work in the fields all day and then goes home and is making money for, with the family, okay, that's child labor, maybe a little exploitative, but that's not trafficking, okay? And so there's, you know, when you're, you're, I don't want to split hairs or talk about semantics, but I do want to let you know that it really is a lot more gray than what you might hear in a soundbite, okay? And then we're talking about statistics and things like that, and uh, it gets kind of messy. So just a slide about, there was a talk on, on uh, domestic trafficking, in the, and domestic trafficking means trafficking that, happens within a country's borders. So we're talking American children being trafficked, but then in the United States, you also have foreign nationals being trafficked into the United States, either as domestic service or uh, agricultural workers or as um, working in massage parlors and the sex industry. And so USA can be a source, transit, and destination country. Um, there is something you should know about the Trafficking Victims Protection Act uh, that, was, that Congress established in 2000, and it gets renewed periodically. And it's a way to protect, and it's really for foreign nationals who've been trafficked in the United States to give them some sort of protection. And um, Clydette talked yesterday about the Department of Health and Human Services uh, hotline. That's for international as well as domestic trafficking in the United States. But something to note, regarding international trafficking is the USA tip report. And I bring this up because it is a, it's a fairly good way to get some basic information on any country you're interested in learning about. Perhaps you are going on a short-term mission trip or perhaps you're uh, serving there uh, as a full-time overseas partner. Um, and you want to know, okay, what is the situation of trafficking in that country? Well, United States, every June, publishes a report that describes the human trafficking situation in uh, 100, 140 countries, I'm not sure, something like that, and they grade them, okay? So this is our country grading other people on how they're doing regarding human trafficking. So it's actually a very political document. Um, they get their information, they try hard um, to gather information, uh, and so... But it's a good overview about what's being done, and I point that out as a good resource for you. And so there's Tier 1, which is the top level. Um, United States grades itself as Tier 1, of course. So, <laughs> um, and so it means you have laws um, that are established, and you're continuing to work on developing those laws for protection 
as well as prosecution, as well as how you're doing on aftercare and care of the victim and things like that. Tier three is the lowest. Uh, for example, countries like Burma, uh, I think Saudi Arabia is low. China only gets tier two watch list, which is tier two like B. Um, so they're not all the way at the bottom for political reasons, probably. Um, and so there's tier one, two, three, just to just so you know. And then they'll they'll evaluate them year by year and say, oh, okay, well, are you making progress? Um, do you get to grade up or do you get to grade down? And so people like to know numbers, statistics. Oh, my gosh, there's like 27 million people. Now there's 12,000 people and there's all this. Well, let me tell you, those are estimates at best, okay? Um, it really, because of what I've mentioned before, about the, the way that you can, the statistics and reporting within countries and identifying who's a child and who's this and that and who's trafficked and who's not, uh, the numbers are very difficult to come by. And so these are just estimates at best. So just keep that in mind. As healthcare professionals, you know uh, numbers mean something. You're trying to read a, a report and you have to know statistics and things. Well, numbers, you know, you can skew numbers all the time, of course. So... This is a very emotional topic, so of course numbers are, let me just say, estimates at best. So um, that's important to remember when you're reading this and just understanding that no one really knows. It would be nice, but um, because there's a lack of research and real hardcore data gathering that um, I'll mention later. So it's difficult. So US State they, the U.S. State Department and TIP report used to report numbers. Well, now they're getting away from that because they realize there's a lot of problems and they can't really prove the numbers that they're saying. So they quit reporting numbers. So let me tell you a little story about Natalia. Natalia, Natalia is an amalgam of people in Moldova and Southeast Europe. I was in Moldova recently. Um, although she is now 17, she was, she's not an orphan, but she was sent to an orphanage. Uh, they call them boarding schools, but um, they basically live there for education because the parents are too poor. Or they think they, get, they can do better in an orphanage institution, and, but they age out at age 16. And, but they're not really prepared to be a part of the world in the workforce. And besides, there is no work in Moldova. It's, it's rated one of the poorest countries in, in Southeast Asia. It's one of the hotbeds. It's the major source country for trafficked people throughout Europe and the Middle East. Why? Because people are so desperate there. They're depressed. They have no hope. There are no jobs. They want to go away. So some truck driver friend tells, uh, maybe her uncle's a truck driver, says, Hey, Natalia, listen, in Turkey, they need interpreters. And so she says, oh, I, c I can do that. So he gets a, oh, that sounds great. You know, go abroad. Because 25% of Moldovans live abroad and send remittances back. And so she says, well, I just want to leave. There's nothing here. Why not go abroad with, like, everyone else? And so, but she, she gets the application and, huh, why are they asking me for my bra size? Actually, she doesn't understand. A friend of hers tells her about a program in Moldova that does aftercare, but also does education about the risk for being trafficked. And so they say, they actually ask a question. So what is being an interpreter, what does your bra size have to do with being an interpreter? 
huh, you know. <laughs> and so it's just, it's partly, it's, it's just being involved. It's organizations like that. You know, these, you know, she, she, she's at risk, all right. And we're going to talk about who else is at risk. And so it's stories. She's, she's bright. She's young. She's white. You know, she's multilingual. Um, but she is unaware. Or what I've heard from talking with people in, in, who have been trafficked in Moldova and they're in aftercare, well, yeah, we kind of knew. We've heard about stuff like happen, but it could never happen to me, right? How many times have you heard that? It's not going to happen to me. So forms of trafficking. All right, so we've, you hear a lot about sex trafficking. Well, yeah, that's huge, and it's probably one of the most common Certainly one of the most reported forms of trafficking in the world. But there's a lot of forced labor. Debt bondage is where um, people have to go to work for someone because they owe them a debt. And then the longer they work, the longer the debt goes in. They're just never, the employer makes it so they just quite can't get out of debt. And there's the sex trafficking and then child labor. That includes child soldiers, child sex trafficking, or anything, or pornography. Anything you're exploiting the child for another profit or gain. Okay? Forced marriages. I've been on the North Korea-China border. Uh, just trying to look at the situation up there. Involuntary, involuntary domestic service. Okay? Remember, it's about losing personal agency. So who's at risk? People like Natalia. But they're impoverished. They lack education. Minority groups. People with disabilities. Refugees. Internally displaced peoples, victims of humanitarian crises, natural disasters, armed conflicts. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a broad range where, where traffickers, people who are preying on the vulnerable. And so there's all a broad range of vulnerable people. We were talking adults and children, men, women, boys, and girls. I'm going to skip that. You can... I'm going to paint a broad brush because you guys can get, there's a lot of information about the nuts and bolts of human trafficking. But I'm going to talk about some global trends. And I'll tell you a little few more stories. You know, what we're seeing now today, okay? Information technology. It's a good way for traffickers to work, okay? They've got 3G, 4G, they've got all this stuff. They can connect, they can inform, they can, they can work underground. They're... They're, they're getting very savvy about working the system. But that also means that our law enforcement or our ways to prevent and deal with it also can take advantage of the information technology. Women, yeah, they're victims, but they're also perpetrators, okay? A growing number of pimps or madams or women, okay? And there's a you'll, – you'll look on the news – you can, you can see lots of, oh, uh, Malaysia, Germany has an agreement uh, to, you know, work on human trafficking together. The Philippines just banned um, domestic servants from going to certain countries. Okay, the Philippines, well, okay, if you say you're going to get a visa to go to this country to do the X work, they say no, because there's a good chance you'll be trafficked. Now, I'm not debating whether that's right or wrong, but there's a lot of more inter-country arrangements and agreements and work. There's a, there's a little bit more research going on in law, in medicine, social science, 
working on databases, and there's an increased attention to children and their specific needs, identifying children as people. Um, there's also, we need more attention to the children of trafficked people or children of prostituted women. Okay, but there's a growing awareness internationally. Okay, in the States, you're seeing this, you know, in the Topeka News or in Toledo or, or Miami or Atlanta. You know, there's more and more groups doing outreach. Oh, traffickers arrested, things like that. So there's movies and videos and there's some training. Well, this, is, this same kind of phenomenon is happening in other countries as well, as what you'll see here. Well, let's, let's go back to... The root, but with all the awareness campaigns and movie stars making movies about themselves being against slavery, rah, rah, rah. Okay, but, you know, excuse me, I, I might just preach a little bit, but trafficking doesn't start with the girl in the brothel, okay? There's the root course, causes. There's historical. You know, why, why is Natalia so desperate to leave? Why is she put at such risk for being trafficked? Well, Moldova hasn't been its own country, not just since the Soviet Union broke down, but for 500 years. They're lacking a national identity. And you can go on. I mean, I could give a whole talk on the trafficking in Moldova. There's cultural. You know, Cambodia. And, and, and the, the, some of the cultural causes or the, the, um, the perversion of their culture, if you will, that makes it socially acceptable to abuse children and to sell children uh, for their good. There's religious reasons. You know, there's girls being sold to, uh, to be as temple prostitutes. You know, there, there's, there's all sorts of centuries-long history. And the trafficking didn't start last in the 20th century. You know, it's, it's been going on. It didn't start with the African slave trade either. I mean, it's been going on for centuries and centuries. And so now we're becoming aware of what it looks like in the 21st century. But the causes and how you prevent it and how you address it is, are actually centuries old. And so to be aware that, okay, yes, it's good. I want to help that girl in the brothel. I want to go rescue her. But to really deal with the problem, there's always gonna, they're always going to find more girls. Okay? They're always going to find more girls. And that doesn't mean we shouldn't help that person, but it, it shouldn't be limited to just that. And so developing child protection legal framework, like Cambodia passing a law in the last few years, that they actually put it on the books that it's illegal to sell your child. Okay? Well, if you have to start there, I mean, I'm not harping on Cambodia. There's lots of countries, including our own, with lots of problems. But that's just an example of the kinds of things that, okay, they're going to have to start developing to say, you know, people, this is the line, this is where it stops. And, of course, the... There's a centuries old, but then there's a very modern reality of globalization and how easy it is to travel back and forth and get, uh, get across countries and, and move around very quickly. And so ways to prevent, to increase awareness and stigma of the problem, but also using that awareness to identify and address the root causes. Okay? And to target risk groups without being exclusive. Okay, so... You just don't want to say, oh, uh, you, you don't want to point out these people as being more helpless than others or saying, oh, like I just, you know, or, or those people are evil or Cambodians are evil because they have all these um, girls and boys that are being sex trafficked. I mean, not to, but you might, but 
people have to, it's coming alongside with people. It's, it's kingdom principles. It's community development. It's child protection and child rights. Um, there's an increasing trend to social responsibility among businesses. Um, ECPAT and child prostitution and trafficking has code of conduct, and they're trying to get hotel change, chains and air, uh, airline companies to sign on and say, okay, do training. Um, have public service announcements on the little video screens in your airline, on your airplane, saying, okay, are you going to Cambodia to, <laughs> you know, you know, this, you know, highlight the problems and saying, okay, you know, point out the issues of, you know, maybe people are, are going on their airline and trying to increase, like, oh, you know, that's really a wrong thing. That's not acceptable. Um, but it requires a holistic, integrated, and multidisciplinary approach. And what do I mean by that? I mean, you know, is your mission group doing CHE? Great. You know, are you doing humanitarian crisis and relief? Great. You know, are you doing community development, strengthening families, improving health care, empowering women through education? Great. All those things. Yes, you can say, I'm doing counter-trafficking work. Okay? That's what I, that's, you know, yes, I'm specializing in human trafficking. Yes, there are special needs, and there are very unique uh, needs to be addressed here. But I want to say, uh, don't stop what you're doing and say, because you don't think that's counter-trafficking work. Don't stop what you're doing and say, oh, we want to do this now, or shift focus. I'm saying, incorporate ideas. Um, have it on your differential. If you're doing community development, huh, you know, is there a significant decrease in the number of women and children in your village? Uh, why is that? What's happening? You know, start incorporating these kinds of ideas when you're doing a community development or, you know, saying, well, maybe you want to have an extra training on, like, identifying, well, what happens to your child when they're going to the factory? Or, you know, who, how do you know what's a safe way to, um, to, for migration? You know, it's not that I'm against migration. Well, I'll talk about migration in a minute. But it's a way to incorporate. But this is... I have a short time. I just want to make sure I get this point across, is that I think, you know, there are counter-trafficking groups, but a better, more integrated approach across disciplines, even legal, social, medical, um, nutrition and sanitation, to address some of these root causes to, to prevent it from happening in the first place, if we can. I think we can. Um, so I... Uh, I think I talked a lot about that. So, another story. Uh, Nain, the six-year-old Cambodian boy. You know, he has a rural family of eight. He has older brothers in school. There's a history of abuse in his family. Probably Nain's been abused uh, sexually or physically. Deaths have been incurred by the family. And these could be medical. Maybe grandma got sick could involve use of the land. It could be a generational debt that just keeps growing and growing, passed on from generation to generation. And, and finally, with a burgeoning family, his parents can no longer uh, afford to pay off the debt. So, Nin is sent into Phnom Penh, or is he sold? Who knows? You know, he's going to help support the family and work. Because he has older brothers in school, 
doesn't need another boy in school. He's got to help support them because they're older and they're, they're already going. And so, but actually, he's going to a massage parlor in Phnom Penh. What? A massage parlor with boys, not girls? Yeah, what about boys? Another global trend I want to highlight. Okay, you, how many times have you heard about boys being sex trafficked? Not very much. It's happening. It's icky. Ugh, you know, how long did it take for churches in the States, probably some, not quite there yet, to talk about prostitution and really seeing a prostituted woman as an image of God and not some, you know, evil sinner. Okay? But boys, whoa. Some establishments actually specialize in boys. And it may be related to cultural norms in that country. Um, but there also... Another thing about boys is, you know, they're maybe not specifically sent to a massage parlor for sex uh, trafficking, but they may be labor, working in a factory, working in fields, but that doesn't mean that they're not also sexually exploited by their traffickers. A little perk on the side. Same with women and girls. They may be an involved in involuntary domestic service, but, you know, there may be, the trafficker may want some extra services. So it's important to keep that in mind. You know what boys say? Well, they're not gay, you know, and but they need a special home. You can't send the traffic boy to the same home as traffic girls, okay? So you need to reach out. Uh, they're not gays, and but don't be careless. People think, ah, the boys will be okay. Protect the daughters. The boys will be okay. Well, these are some quotes by some boys who were interviewed post-traffic. Okay, don't be careless with your sons. Boys can be abused, too. Um, but just to go on, at, you know, when I was in Moldova, I asked about, well, you know, the, all the focus is on women. And I, so I talked with the counter-trafficking organizations there. I said, well, there's got to be a lot of men who are falling victim to traffickers as well. He says, yeah, but the shame is so profound that they won't come out and admit that they've been duped. You know, because the guy is supposed to be strong, they're supposed to know better. They're supposed to be able to handle themselves. Well, you know, this counter-trafficking organization, they, they, they want to reach out to men, but it's been very difficult. And so they continue to explore ways to identify them. So just another thought to say, hey, this problem, it's very gray. It's bigger than we ever thought. So, all right. So trafficking migration. Oh, my gosh. All right, well... I just want to talk about trafficking migration. Okay, there's globalization, geopolitical forces. And I put Mekong as an example. All right, you've got China sitting over the great big Mekong region. Okay, you've got China building dams like there's no tomorrow. I mean, it, it's just affecting, I mean, the whole issue of water and dams and, and people movement. Just, I just want to say, if you're interested in that area, look at the whole big scheme of the greater Mekong, the geopolitical migration issues. And it's going to impact migration, it's going to impact nutrition, it's going to impact water availability, and all those things compound to make people more vulnerable. Okay? More vulnerable to trafficking, but disease, poverty, you name it. It's all related. Okay? And so, but I want to say that migration is not the problem. It's the exploitation of the migrant worker and making laws that are favorable or identifying people, telling people how to migrate safely they can. Also, women are migration. 
So one thing I want to highlight, push-pull factors. This is for migration, but it's also for trafficking. Some of the risk factors we talked about. All right, Natalia, her, her push factors. Well, gender-based pressures are global economic policies, but pull factors really for her is economic opportunities, demand for cheap goods. Oh, yeah. I mean, she just wants to get out. She needs a job, so she's willing to go. Um, so things to talk about that. Women in trafficking, prostitution in trafficking, just a word about that, um, because I, I told you I'd, I really would run out of time. But just to say that all that prostitution and trafficking are inextricably linked, but they're not necessarily the same thing. A woman may make a choice, a bad choice. Okay, what kind of a choice is it if you have a woman? I met, I actually met this woman in China. She refused to uh, abandon her child with cerebral palsy. Okay, so, but her family ended up abandoning her. Abandoning her. But her child with cerebral palsy, the doctor said that she needs uh, to get some Botox injections, which are very expensive for cerebral palsy. Okay, that's a little bit skeptical medicine there. But these are very expensive. So how does, she, how does she afford care that she believes is the best possible for her child? She prostitutes herself. All right, is she trafficked? No. Is she exploited? Yes. Does she make a choice? Yes. Is it What kind of a choice was that? No choice at all, really. So... I mean, that's just a side to think about trafficking, prostitution, exploited people will just help everyone. Um, so, but there are also, also women end up, you know, trafficking others. They're in the business for a while. And so another word, decriminal. I just have to say decriminalization of prostitution, making it legal, sex workers' rights, not a shred of evidence that actually protects women or helps them. Not a shred. There's lots of, I mean, I can give you all kinds of information. Uh, whatever they're claiming, um, there's actually sound evidence and studies that prove otherwise. And um, so don't, don't listen to those groups. It, it's just, it's not true. So it doesn't protect people. And in fact, Amsterdam is actually considering repealing their, their um, legalized prostitution laws because it is not shown to help. I mean, really, they, they implemented it because they thought, well, they're going to help the women in Amsterdam. Um, no. Well, it's not been shown to you. So they're actually considering on repealing it. I don't know. Keep an eye on it. Oh, I heard Harry Reid talk about, pro he said prostitution is bad for Nevada. And he's thinking, oh, maybe we shouldn't have it legal in uh, areas around Las Vegas. So keep an eye on that, too. And if you're from Nevada, you know, write to that guy. He said that in February, but I haven't heard anything since. Oh, gosh, lots on aftercare, um, medical care, preventive health is lacking attention. So um, that's part of what I'm trying to do. Um, and demand. You know, there's, there's lifestyles. No one says, I want to take advantage of a slave today. I also want to say about demand, there's books and, and articles written that focus on the client and focus on the johns. I also want to say that because the sex industry is 40% of Thailand's GDP, Thailand's GDP, for, no, not 40, 14%. Sorry, I had that backwards. 14%. But, you know, we're talking about cultural norms here. All right, the foreign sex tourists are not fueling that amount of revenue. Okay, yes, it's a problem. Yes, there's outreach. Yes, we need to deal with it. But foreign tourists are not 
fueling 14% of Thailand's GDP. There's a lot in Thailand that's, I mean, centuries, centuries of this view that's fueling that demand. So, gaps and goals. I talked about we need to identify traffickers and victims. We need targeted prevention interventions, standardizing aftercare, increased integration, cooperation, and networking um, among organizations, multidisciplinary, um, addressing legal, legal, loophole, legal loopholes, anemic laws, um, protection laws for migrant workers, and research, tension in men and boys, as I've said before. So what can you do? You know, you can start reading. Gary Haugen. You know, I mean, this, is, this book is over 10 years old, maybe 15 years old. I don't know. Good news about injustice. Just start reading about it. Read about God's heart for justice. You know, where do you fit in? I mean, maybe you're not going to go set up an aftercare shelter. What if you do? I hope you meet some people already doing it. Um, but read about where, you, where what, what you're already doing. You know, where, where does that intersect? How can you incorporate an idea about trafficking in there? You know, is there a way? You know, seek out counter-trafficking groups where you, where you are. There's uh, almost every state or region has a counter-trafficking task force. Call them up. Find out what's going on. Um, develop a referral sheet. Oh, well, if you, what to do if you suspect human trafficking in your emergency department? Or, you know, what are you going to do? Well, maybe, you know, the, the person who's been doing your nails has been 18 years old for the last three years. <laughs> I mean, huh, you know? So what do you do? You know, who do you call? Um, so, you know, it's, it's just being aware, having your eyes open, not being... Not seeing a zebra in every, you know, pen, but, you know, also having it on your differential, if you will, um, to start thinking about it. And then get, get and see people as, as people like God sees them, okay? Because, yeah, we say, oh, the poor victim and all this, but you know what? Sometimes they're not that, they're not all that great to take care of or identify or it's messy, it's hard. And believe me. Satan does not want you going there, okay? He does not want you going there. And so really being prayed up, and Clydette made an excellent point yesterday, is, is to identify some areas in your own history or your own family history where Satan can start to tear you down in these same areas that are interlocking with this. Before you, I mean, believe me, it's serious and it's real. So there's some roles of the healthcare professional. We've just got... A few minutes, but, you know, you can do prevention, identification, research, advocacy, service. And so it's much more than doing clinical work. So there's some contact information for me. I'll, uh, I talk very fast, broad, broad brush here. But I'll take some questions and I'll be happy to talk with you um, afterwards. Yes? Are uh, big sporting events also big traffic? Yes, about sporting events. Um, yes, they are. Um, some say they aren't. Yeah, Super Bowl. Yeah, the Super Bowl was it in Indianapolis. Um, and so the the district attorney is already being aware, and that they've done studies from the Berlin. All these. There's a bunch of women being brought in. Now this is this is related to this is where the prostitution trafficking start gets mixed up. But I would say I. I've never met a prostituted woman who actually liked what she did. 
I mean, or would really admit it or wanted to do it again. So, yes, they are linked. Yes. Well, it seems to me that you've got a really serious situation, and I haven't heard anything about any solution. And it seems to me that the Americans, all of you that are physicians and medical people, could come together through the AMA and put some significant pressure on the Congress of the United States to do something about it. There, you've got to have some people here in the network where you could go to that's going to do something about it. I don't even think there's a framework out here that, that you could tell about trafficking and whatever that you have law enforcement people that go after these people with a Louisville slugger or a gun. Yeah. But, but that's the kind of thing that needs to happen because this is really bad. Yeah. And it's really serious. And to me, the AMA, if you could get all you folks together, they could put some serious pressure on Congress to do something that's significant. Right. Um, the gentleman's comment was about um, networking and getting physicians together to do something about it, putting pressure on Congress. And let me say there is um, – well, first I want to say that the CMDA, Christian Medical Dental Association, is working on this. There's a team of doctors working on developing training for doctors for identification, and there's someone on Capitol Hill uh, – that a CMDA guy who's who's a specialist in in politics and and he he is there and so we've got CMDA pressure and he's constantly working on this issue. As far as the AMA, I don't know. I'm not a member, um, but there's also the our Department of Health and Services, the Department of Justice, and our U.S. State Department and USAID. They've all got they've all got people working on this on different areas. The, there's training for law enforcement. They've got specific task forces and vice squads being trained on identification, getting police officers to say, ah, we're not going to, this is a foreigner, we're going to deport them, you know, or this, trying to get them to think of a, look at a child, you know, someone, to trying to get away from child prostitute to trafficked teen, okay? And so there are, there are things, but like I said, there, the issues are complex, and we are just we need some information. We need effective interventions that are based on proper evidence as to not just doing something, but doing something effectively. Okay, which is which is really important. There are people working on it, and um, you can get in touch with me or Gloria or Clydette or Jeff, any any one of the guys that any one of the doctors that spoke about human trafficking. Um, here, just get in touch with them. They can tell you more. In the back, yeah. She's asking for examples um, where countries are making a difference. Yes, I, and I'll just say there are several countries, um, but Cambodia is one where I've seen that strides are being made. There, um, there's a group called International Justice Mission, and they have been training uh, Cambodian police officers in, in addressing this problem to recognize 
um, that there this is wrong, this is illegal, and it's a it's a it's a process of developing trust among the law enforcement because it is a problem where there's corrupt law enforcement. It's not enough for a country to sign something and then say it's not a problem, but it's a matter of getting in. Training doctors, training law enforcement, training social workers, and Cambodia is making strides. Thailand is also um, on its way. I mean, it, it takes because because these issues are so rooted, and then it does take a while to get things changed around. But there is progress being made in certain areas, and certainly more countries than that. But I'll be brief. Yes. Okay, he asked, you know, prostitution and, you know, what was there to kind of help deal with the traffickers at the Super Bowl. Um, I, I can't answer the first question. I am an expert more globally and internationally than what's going on in the States. But I'll tell you what Christians can do. Uh, you can go and bathe the place in prayer. <laughs> I mean, I have seen, I, I mean, in the States and International, I have seen red light districts shut down. Like there, I've seen a street shut down in in a city in China because people just started prayer walking, and they keep prayer walking, and it's persistent prayer. But there's also there's also areas I would encourage you to get in touch with either Jeff Barrows or Glory. We you raise your hand too, or someone who Glory is also doing a lot more international too. I this. This it's hard to know what's going on in the states and the rest of the world. So, what's there's Department of Human Health. Just get in touch with one of my colleagues if you don't mind. Yes. Yeah, he's asking about protection for um, victims of of like American people. Actually. Um, those laws are actually behind the laws. They're, 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 they're in place state by state. Um, but that's another thing to be involved, knowing what your state is doing. Because actually, I have heard social workers and other law enforcement say that the, the protection for foreign nationals is stronger than for our own American people who've been trafficked. So, yeah, you need to know, but that's on a state by, there are, Federal recommendations, but it's a state thing. Yes. Comments on ransoming, um, buying slaves. Um, that's a really touchy thing. I mean, on the one point, you know, you want to. I, I would say. That's 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 a really touchy. I, I would say I wouldn't play into the trafficker, okay? Although I know of some groups who are. See, it gets it gets dicey because I know groups who are working in certain countries. They have relationships with brothels, and they know who some traffickers are. And sometimes some groups say absolutely not. They know the girls, and they know they're being held. 
They can't just go and rescue them because that would jeopardize some of their relationship with the... They can actually go in these brothels and the girls know who they are. And if the girl wants to escape, they'll help them escape. Paying traffickers, generally a bad idea. But I would say that there are exceptions to everything. But ransoming slaves, gen in general, bad idea. Yes. Yeah, you. Yeah. in the back. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, she's saying talk about it, raise awareness. Um, if anyone has got some free time and want to start some networking, you know, can start putting resources and we need to share we need to know who's doing what and who's doing what well and where others who are newbies on the scene can learn how to do it yeah question um in the states yeah um Jeff Barrows, um, he gave a talk on Thursday afternoon. He is starting one, and he has a he has like a FAQ. He has like a little mini packet. If you're thinking about getting involved, he has a mini packet. Um, I'm sure his event. Grace, oh look at Grace Haven in. Yeah, he he has a little mini packet. He'll send you that he's prepared for people like you. Okay, huh? Do I? Well, I don't set up, I don't do, I don't, I, I have, well, sh I do international. And so that's why I asked if she was interested in doing stuff domestically in the States, where I know about stuff that's happening, but it, it's, it's a lot more, it's beyond my, yes. Okay, raise your hand. Anyone want to get involved in the Indianapolis Super Bowl, helping, you know, stamp out trafficking? see that blonde person. I've got to uh, cut off here. Thank you for coming. That was excellent. I yeah. Okay. <laughs>